All right, well, hey, good morning, New Life Church. So good to see everybody. Going to call everybody back to their seats, and it's good to uh, see you're already enjoying your fellowship with each other. It's awesome. Good to see your faces. Good to see your costumes. Good to see your creativity. And it's good to see your participation, right? Awesome. Everybody good? Come on, who is so thankful for the presence of God in your life? Come on. His presence is rich, and it's life-changing, and it's reassuring of so many good things. And I'm so thankful for folks in our church who serve week after week on our worship, our media team, who put in the hard practice hours, who put in the prayer time, and who just open themselves up before God to say, Lord, come. Fill this place with your presence. And it, I'm so glad. You know, that's something you and I should never take for granted. The presence of God in our life. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, let me invite you to open up your Bibles with me. We're going to be in two main places today. First in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and then in the New Testament, John the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Genesis 3, and then John 15, and we'll have some other scriptures throughout this message. Last week, uh, Pastor Hershey was with us. A dear friend of mine uh, came and ministered. He's a pastor in Dyersburg at the Gathering Place, and uh, he and I have known each other for uh, over 20 years now. And uh, anyway, if you missed last week, Please go back to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. You'll see it on the home screen, homepage. Click on that sermon, uh, a new renewal. And, uh, if, or if you were here last week and you want to get another dose of it, it's just one of those messages that is challenging and stirring of soul and heart. And um, anyway, he did a fantastic job. Plus, he had some personal ministry that, he, that God used him in prophetically uh, with a lot of different people. And uh, I encourage you, as I always try to remember to say this, when you receive something prophetic from God, go write it down. Uh, if you forgot it, go back, listen to it, and write it down, and keep it near you, and continuously keep that before your eyes and in your ears. Speak it uh, over yourself, because God took time out of your day to remind you about something important that he has for your life. And as part, of the, as part of the worship we sang earlier, that he is faithful to keep his promise to us. Amen? Faithful to keep his promise to us. Today, on this Fall Family Fun Day, we're actually starting a new message series. It's called Life with God. And uh, today, in particular, I've named today's message, Walking with God. Walking with God. Let's look at Scripture here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. It says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking in the garden. wonder what it sounds like when God takes a walk. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, and he asked, Where are you? The man replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And that whole story, that whole context happens at the end of man's disobedience to 
to God when he ate the forbidden fruit. And their eyes were open, and they saw themselves in a different way, and it brought shame. But the question God asks is, where are you? Can you say, where are you? John 15. John 15, verse 1. Jesus speaks, and he says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Actually, I think I'm supposed to read this in the message. Let me read it from the message here. It says, I am the real vine, and my Father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so that it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. And part of this right here, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant, separated, you can't produce a thing. Everybody say, walk with God. Let's pray. God Almighty, we are so thankful you are here. Your presence is here. Your presence is felt. And we are thankful. Lord, today you have something unique planned for us as we come together to the, partake of your table, the table of life the table of bread, the bread of your word. Speak to us today. Lighten our loads. Encourage our hearts. Strengthen our steps. And give us greater faith, as we have been praying already, to walk closer with you. We honor you now, and we thank you for what you have to speak to us. We're listening, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name, and everybody who's listening can say... A few of you are listening. Okay, I'll speak to you. The pastor, John Orkberg, he, he said this. He said, my mind may be obsessed with idols. My will may be enslaved to my habits. My body may be consumed with appetites. But my soul will never find rest until it rests with God. Author Tim Kimmel, he said this. He said, there's a huge difference between people who do great things and people who live great lives. If I am to be what I'm called to be, and if I am to do what I'm called to do in life, it is intrinsically tied to me being with God. If you are going to do what God has called you to do, and if you are going to be who God has called you to be, it is intrinsically tied to you being with God. The soul of a human was designed to search for God. Consider these verses here in Psalms. Psalm 63, 1, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly 
search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. The soul is designed to search for God. Check this one out. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, my whole body, and my whole soul. I will shout joyfully to the living God. And finally, David says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, one thing he asks of the Lord, this thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. The soul was designed to search for God, but the soul was also designed to walk with God. You see this in the beginning in Genesis. God creates us. God creates us in his likeness and in his image. And then God blesses us with his purpose. He told Adam and Eve, he tells you and I, he, I bless you, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, reign over all things. God not only blesses us with purpose, but then he connects with us in relationship. You see this in Genesis 2, when God breathed his breath into the lungs of the man, and it said the man became a living being. And then it begins the exchange of dialogue between God and man. God speaking to man. Man speaking to God. Relationship. Not only does God create us, bless us, connect with us, but then God comes after us with great desire. You see that in Genesis 3, after the fall of man, man disobeys God, eats of the forbidden fruit from the wrong tree. Hiding in the trees, God coming, looking for them, a great desire, pursuing them, asking the question, where are you? It was not a question of physical location. God knew exactly where they were. It was the matter of the question of this, where are you in relation to me? God, anytime I ask you the question, where are you? He knows where you're at physically. He can find you. He, he sees the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hands. When he asks the question, where are you? It's always in question of where are you in relation to me. The soul was designed to walk with God. And this garden right here, in this garden of Eden, it represents the great desire that God has to be with us. To be with us. Friend, if you and I, if we, if the world could really just get the eyesight, the revelation, the mindset of how great God loves us, you and I would be wrecked. We would never be the same. For surely some of us, most of us perhaps, have encountered the real love of God at some manner of time in our life. And you go back to that moment in time when you were really, truly encountered by the, by the ravenous love of God. And what it did to you, it compelled you and it moved you and it caused you to, to be humble. And it brought you to a place of gratefulness and thankfulness and an understanding that you were loved and you were accepted by your creator. It changed you. Friends, you and I are called to encounter the love of God every day. 
because it's, it shows God's great desire to want to be with us. Anybody hearing anything today? And you see this throughout the Old Testament. You begin to see this throughout the different people and the lives of the people in the Old Testament of guys like Enoch had said he walked with God and then was not. It just, he just suddenly, he was no longer, nobody could find him. He vanished. He walked so close with God. Noah walked with God, found righteous. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and faith. Isaac walked with God. Jacob, the supplanter, the deceiver, yes, he even walked with God. God even changed his walk. He put a limp in his step. You see all these different people in the, in the Old Testament, and not, they, they walked with God, and God walked with them. You see that in the life of Joseph. You see him go from his father's house to being put inside of a pit to being buried deep into a prison, to then eventually being promoted to a palace. And then eventually he became the past. But through that, you see how he walked with God, and God walked with him. The others of like Samuel and Ruth and Gideon and David and so on and so forth. You see all of these folks throughout the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, how they walked with God, it displays and it shows this, that God was not only in the sweet places of life, but he was also in the spoiled places too. For I don't know a human being who does not thoroughly enjoy the sweet places of life. For we tend to shy away and, from the spoiled places because of what it brings because of what it does. But friends, you and I, just like them, have to learn how to walk with God, not only in the sweet, but also through the spoiled times of life that it brings. And you fast forward into the New Testament, God punches a hole in the wall of history, and he brings himself to the planet in the form of his son, in the, in the, in the, in the image, in the make of a baby, giving him a name, Emmanuel, that further portrays and demonstrates that God has a great desire to be with his people. The name, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. It's not just a cute Christmas story, but it's the reality that God has a great desire to be with his people. Amen? He has a great desire to be with his people. And Jesus here in, Matt, in John 15 himself talking, and he said, look, you know, those branches who don't produce fruit, they're cut off. Those branches that do produce fruit are pruned back. And he says, I am the vine, you are those branches, that it's impossible to produce fruit if you're not with me, if you're not walking with me. You and I, if we want to have a fruitful, successful, significant life, then we have to learn to walk with God. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen just because you say a prayer at one point in time. It doesn't just happen because you enter the doors of a church. It doesn't just happen because you take communion. It doesn't just happen. It happens as the heart of the human person, the soul of ourself, is connected deeply and intrinsically with God. When the person learns 
walk with God. Maybe we can learn from the story of a guy named Nicholas Herman. Anyone ever heard of a guy named Nicholas Herman? I hadn't either until I read about him. Nicholas Herman. He was an uneducated house servant from a poor family who grew up not knowing the Lord. But he was converted to the Christian faith by looking at a tree. It was winter, and he was looking at this barren tree, and he got to thinking, this tree will grow leaves again in the spring. And it made him curious, and it gave him a deep sense of appreciation for God's care and his power. And he began to think to himself, if God could do that for a tree, he could do that for a person. So he entered a monastic community, became a monk, and he lived the rest of his life in the kitchen as a cook and a dishwasher. Meanwhile, privately devoting his life to just being with God. Today, we might know him as Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence? Some history people? No? Well, Brother Lawrence is what he's known for as today, known as today. See, he died when Nicholas Herman died. Some of his friends gathered some of his letters together. And they compiled them in a book. That book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. The Practice of the Presence of God. It's written in the 17th century, and it's thought to be one of the most widely read books throughout human history other than the Bible. All of this from an uneducated dishwasher. You see, when a person walks with God, it does not matter if you're a prince or a pauper, if you're a dishwasher or the president. For the soul is not satisfied through accomplishments. The soul is satisfied when it is with God. Friends, it does not matter who you are, what you do, that will bring you great joy, although there is minimal joy in our achievements. But the true satisfaction deep within our heart and our soul comes when we learn to walk with God. Consider this. Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, they had been arrested for healing a crippled beggar. It's that story where they're going to the house of God to pray and they see this beggar outside the gate called Beautiful and he's begging, he's crippled and they walk up to him, and they, they tell him, look, I don't have any silver or gold. I don't have any money, but what I do have, I tell you right now, get up and walk in Jesus' name. Well, guess what happens? The crippled beggar gets up and walks, no longer having to beg. And here's what was said about them when they were arrested in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It said, the members of the council, now these are religious people, the religious council, they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training, no education in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. The soul is not gratified through accomplishments. The soul is gratified by walking with God. You see, there is no stopping the person who walks with God. 
For it does not matter what title or what position you might have in this world. For a person who will walk with God can change the world. Nicholas Herman, a.k.a. Brother Lawrence, he might have lived in obscurity in his entire life. Nobody knew him. Meanwhile, he is on his knees in his room, and he is penning and writing these letters to the Lord. And it's later published and titled, way after he's dead, called The Practice of the Presence of God. And it's been changing generations for the last couple of hundred years. Friend, you might live in obscurity. I might live in obscurity for my entire existence on this earth. But generations coming after me can be impacted by the legacy that we leave. A legacy that is defined by they walked with God. You see, it's not the title of a social worker or having a clinical license to listen to people that will make a difference. It's when you walk with God that makes a difference. It's not a matter if you can write words so beautifully and elegantly and paint pictures with words like the and and. What will matter is when someone reads those words and they see deep within the pages of that book that he walked with God. See, it matters not that you can perform the greatest surgeries and assist the greatest doctors or teach the greatest nurses and be one of yourself. What will matter most at the end of the day and at the end of time is that people see and take note that mm, they walked with God. It matters not that you have a short-term memory problem and you have to write certain things down just to get from point A to point B. What matters is that God never forgets you. And that when you look up and you just utter, here I am, the Lord says, I know. I know that voice, Mike. You walk with me, and it shows. See, friends, you and I, this world, we can spend the rest of our days and spin ourselves into a crazy frenzy trying to make it in this world, trying to make it in life, trying to cash our check, trying to build up our 401ks, none of which are bad. It's all good to plan and prepare. We can spend our life trying to make a name for ourselves, trying to do something noble and something good, but really it does not matter at the end of the day if, in fact, we're not walking with God. The soul was designed to walk with God. And God wants to walk with you. These guys, Peter and John, they were uneducated, ordinary men. But the thing that stood out about them was the fact that the others recognized they had been with Jesus. See, I don't want to be known as one of the greatest preachers of all time. I want to be known that I walked with God. I don't want to 
It's not my ambition to write the New York Times best-selling book. I think that would be cool, Tony. I really do. That would be awesome. People bought my books with my name on it. That would just be really neat. And they bought your books with your name on it. Or people came to the conferences that I was, you know, scheduled to preach at that had 20,000 people. I think that would just be really cool. It would build my ego up really big. But man, I don't want any of that if I myself am not walking with God. It matters what your ambition is. It matters what your drive is. It matters what gets you going throughout your day. Is it to please your boss? Is it to make money? Is it to be known? Is it to be liked? Is it to get the promotion? What is the ambition of our day? If it is not to walk with God, then friend, nothing else you or I ever do will matter. But a life that walks with God has the power to change the world. Now you might not change the entire world, but you might change your world right where you live and sleep, right where you work every day, right where you go to school, right where you have lunch, right where you buy groceries, right? Friends, how can we learn to walk with God? I mean, come on, let's face it, we're in a world that's fast-paced, that's so technologically advanced, that has so many economic challenges. There's always a huge moral debate going on. There's these never-ending civil debates that happen. There's this constant change of beliefs. So many things happening at once. There's these ongoing expectations to conform to this culture that is popular and that is fluid. How can we, the church, the bride of Christ, the friend of God, the people of God, the body of Christ, how can we, the sheep of our shepherd, how can we learn to walk with God in this world? When this world's so busy, this world's so big. On the way this morning to church, our three-year-old, soon-to-be four-year-old, Hopefully grows out of some of her three-year-old antics. She was thinking, my God is so big. My God is so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Just out of nowhere. I thought, surely if God can do that with a three-year-old, then surely he can get this 41, almost 42-year-old to believe that. Let's not pretend to ourselves that the older we get, the less faith we have to have. My God is so big. My God is so mighty. There's nothing that my God cannot do. How can we learn to walk with God? I want to leave you with these three things. Three effects of walking with God. You guys got time for these?
on a personal level, on a private level, and on a public level? How do we know if we're walking with God? I think we just can answer this question, am I changing? See, a person can't walk with God and not change. A person can't walk with God and not change. You and I, we can have, we can have uh, uh, this kind of relationship. Jeremy, can I borrow you for a minute? Here, I, I just want you to be on this side over here, okay? And you just follow, you, you go that way. You, okay, just stay right there. Walk. We'll try to walk together here because we're in relationship together and Maybe, maybe some of us have a relationship with God that's like this. Hey, Jeremy, can you hear me? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I'm saying something to you. I don't know if you're buying what I'm dropping or what I'm selling, but can you hear me? Yeah. I don't know. You see, some of us have a relationship with God is that we have to scream. We feel like we have to yell, and there's all this whatever in between. There's all this busyness of life. There's a thousand pop-ups of thinking going on right now all across our minds and we're having to scream at God and we're trying real hard to listen to what God has to say it matters not that you're in a wheelchair and you can't walk but if you will just walk with God in your heart one day you will truly walk again that your day is coming Micah your day is coming. Can you hear me? Of course you can. I have a microphone. Some of us, our relationship with God is like that. Now, come over here. Can you hear me now? And then, but this is the relationship that God is looking for. This is the relationship that our hearts yearn for. But to get this close, to walk this in step, this in tune, we have to care not what we look like. We have to care not what we sound like. We have to care not what we smell like. We have to care not what we really think. We just have to believe. My God is so big. My God is so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And we just learn to walk with God in a busy world with high demands, big expectations. But we not let the world rob us of the relationship that God wants to have with us. You see, when you and I try to go at life and go at the pace of whatever then God ends up way over there, we end up way over here, and we're having to yell at each other, and we're wondering, God, are you with me? God, can you help me? God, do you hear me? God, I'm saying it, I'm not hearing it, and, 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 and we, we go through life like that. 
Oh, I'm walking with God. Yeah, I, I, I walk with God. Where are you, God says. Where are you? I'm right here. I know where you are. Where are you in relation to me? Amen? How do I know if I'm walking with God? I'm being changed. I'm being changed. Three effects of walking with God. These three changes of our life. Here's the first one. Walking with God makes my life glorious with his presence. Walking with God makes my life glorious with his presence. Check this verse out, 2 Corinthians 3. I think we have it. Nope, there we go. Paul says, The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, and even though the brightness was already fading away, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Glory. The word glorious. It means this. It's the effect of being with God. The effect of being with God, meaning His glory fills my soul with beauty, with splendor. His glory fills my life with wonder and magnificence. His glory fills my life with greatness. In other words, the effect of walking with God, it makes my life glorious with His presence. It means this, that means when others look at me, they see that something is different about me. Can that be said of us? I know it can't be said of me every day. It's often the opposite, the negative connotation. Something's different about you. You're off today. Something's not right with you. Probably six out of seven days, if I was to be honest. I pray, I read my Bible, I give my life to serving the Lord. But oftentimes I let the vocation interrupt the relation. What should happen, what God wants to make happen in our life is he wants his glory to fill us, his glory to change us, his splendor, his beauty, his magnificence, his wonder, his awesomeness filling our life so that when I do go out in public and I am around other people, that others can see, wow, Something's different about you. I can hear it in your voice. I can just see it in your eyes. There's this tenderness. There's this compassion. There's this great passion that it's like a fire in your heart that's trying to consume all of you. And you're like a lion trying to let it out. But oftentimes you feel like a meek little sheep 
and lacking the faith to let the roar come out. Me too, man. Me too. His splendor, His glory, the effect of walking with God. Personally, it does that. Second effect of walking with God. Privately, it makes God big in the many moments of my life. It makes God big in the many moments of my life. Consider this in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8. Paul saying, we are hard-pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down. Oh, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Verse 16. He said, this is why, this right here, this is why I and we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, and will last forever. So, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The effect of walking with God makes God big in the many moments of our life, in the troubled times, in our weak times, in our strong times. In our sad times, in our birth times, in our dying times, in our grieving times. Walking with God makes God big in every moment of our life. That when we face hardship, the reason we cannot and have the ability to not focus on what we see, the hardship, but focus on the God, is because God is bigger than the hardship. Doesn't mean we won't have to go through the hardship. It just means that God is bigger than the hardship. So when the hardship is in front of me, I shall not and should not worry and fret and hide myself but I should look up and above from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. And I see that God is really bigger than any problem, in any hardship, in any moment that I might be facing at that time. And that He is faithful to take my hand and walk with me through it. Amen. What moment in your life right now is happening that you're failing to see the bigness of God? Walking with God has an effect on our life. It changes us to be able to see and to know that God really is bigger. He really is bigger than any moment we face in our life. 
He's bigger than any moment we face in our life. How powerful is that? You know that. You know it. You not only know it here, you know it here. You know the bigness of God. And God is even making himself bigger than he ever has been before in you. In you. God is getting bigger in you. How many moments of our life, man, do we let steal the joy? How many moments in our life do we let be robbed by fear? I don't want to wake up one day and my life has gone by and I'm like, man, and I have more gray than I have painted on my hair right now. That I'm like, I had so much more fruit to produce. I had such more hope, so many more hopes for greater things. Those who abide with me, those who walk with me, Jesus said, will bear much fruit. So I don't have to try to make myself produce the fruit. I don't have to make myself to try to be significant. I make myself learn to walk with God. And it's God who will make my life significant. Lastly, and then I'll be done. Publicly. Come on, Lori. Publicly. The third effect of walking with God, it makes me see people the way God sees them. It makes me see people the way God sees them. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. Paul saying, so... We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, no longer looking at them with sin on their life. And he has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Say through me. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Come back. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When you and I, when we walk with God, it makes us see other people the way God sees them. For how we see other people says a whole lot about the condition of our souls. If we're always rude 
and short with the waiter or the waitress at a restaurant because they were slow in bringing our food or got the wrong order or forgot to put it in. I get it. It is irritating. But if we're always giving them a hard time, then we're not seeing them the way God perhaps is seeing them. Maybe they had someone wake up to them that day and tell them, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Maybe their child said, you know, I'm not living with you anymore. I'm going to live with them. Or maybe they got the call from out of town that said they passed. They didn't make it. Friends, the way God wants us to see people is the way He sees them. I know we don't always put on the right specs for that every day. But if we, we could have two choices, we could either see, the, see people either the way the world sees them or the way Jesus sees them. If we see people the way the world sees people, then here's what's happening. Then we're putting on this facade ourselves and we're carrying around fake IDs. We're trying to be something that we're not. The last place you and I should be afraid to be ourselves in is here at the church with the body of Christ. This morning, we had, I, I don't normally join the crew that prays here. I have another crew that I pray with in my office, but I, I already prayed and came in here, and they were finishing up prayer, and I walked up here. They were standing here talking, and one looks at me, and he says, so, anything you're worried about? I'm standing here. He's standing I'm like, thinking to myself, how do you know? So I try to give some description to it. Even though I stand in the office of the pastor, I still am in the position of a person. And I sure can't expect the church to be real if the pastor's not real. So I said, you name it, it falls in that category. A lot of things have troubled my heart lately. Lots of things. Then our worship pastor comes over and he says, it's all in your head. And they begin to pray for me. And I just felt the weight begin to lift. I felt the God start to rise up within me. And even the one who portrayed God a minute ago, Jeremy, he said, I could just feel you go from here to here. We can't be afraid 
to let people, especially covenant-keeping brothers and sisters in Christ, know what's really going on. Amen. Hmm. If we can't be real with each other, folks, we, we don't have anybody else we can be real with. And the thing that causes us to see people the way Jesus sees them is when we stop wearing facades and carrying around fake IDs. And we just simply yield. And we make the confession. Yeah, I got issues. But as I am dealing with issues, Jeremy, God, please help. He comes. He walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I'm going to be all right. And he reminds me that it's not always the way I have seen it. For his view is perfect. And his love is everlasting. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. Now, these are some dudes you want to have on your side right here. <laughs> and they grab a hold of you. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come here, Pops. You can be Holy Spirit. <laughs> you can come stand behind me. with me but as I walk man I don't feel as heavy as I once did I feel like they're kind of carrying me and holding me up and reminded me I'm not alone I'm not alone you're not alone you're not alone no greater three should I ever desire more then Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For if I must remind you again, I will, that the worries that plague your mind, they don't last forever. God says, remember what I said. Remember what I said. For I keep my word keep it too. The effect of walking with God is we're changed. We're changed. Amen.